Chapter Thirty of the Countess of Charny by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in a public domain. The effect of happy news. Pitou had to tell his intended marriage to Mayor Longpre, who lived hard by. Less set against the Belay family than Angelique, he congratulated Pitou on the match. Pitou listened to his praise without seeing where he was doing very much of a noble action. By the way, as a pure Republican, Patou was delighted to find that the Republic had done away with the publication of the bans and other ecclesiastical trammels which had always galled true lovers. It was therefore settled between the mayor and the suitor that the wedding should take place on the following Saturday at the town hall. Next day, Sunday, the sale of the Charny estate and the Belay farm was to come off. The latter, at the upset price of four hundred thousand, and the other at six hundred thousand in paper money. Asanats were dropping fearfully. The gold louis was worth nine hundred and twenty francs in paper. But, then, nobody ever saw a gold piece nowadays. Patou had run all the way back to acquaint Catherine with the good news. He had ventured to anticipate the marriage day by forty-eight hours, and he was afraid he should vex Catherine. She did not appear vexed, and he was lifted up among the angels, his namesakes. But she insisted on his going once more to Aunt Angelique's, to announce the exact date of the wedding day and invite her to be at the ceremony. She was the bridegroom's sole relative, and, though not at all tender toward him, he ought to do the proper thing on his side. The consequence was that on Thursday morning Pitou went over to villers cotterets to repeat the visit. Nine o'clock was striking as he got in sight of the house. The aunt was not on the doorstep, but the door was closed anyway as if she expected his call. He thought that she had stepped out, and he was delighted. He would have paid the visit, and a polite note with a piece of wedding cake after the ceremony would acquit the debt to courtesy. Still, he was a conscientious fellow. He went up to the door and knocked— as no answer came to his raps, he called. At the double appeal of knuckle and voice, a neighbor appeared at her own door. "'Do you know whether or no my aunt has gone out, eh, Mother Fagot?' asked Batou. "'Has she not answered?' asked Dame Fagot. "'No, she has not, as you see. So I guess she has gone out for a gossip.' Mother Fagot shook her head. "'I should have seen her go out,' she said. "'My door opens the same way as hers, "'and it is pretty seldom that in getting up of a morning "'she does not drop into our house "'to get some warm ashes to put in her shoes, "'with which the poor dear lamb keeps her toes warm all the day. "'Ain't that so, neighbor Fabillet?' "'This question was addressed to a fresh character.' who, likewise opening his door, shoved his conversational oar into the parley. "'What are you talking about, Madame Fagot?' "'I was a-saying that Aunt Angelique had not gone out. Have you seen anything of her?' "'That I hain't, and I am open to wager that she has not gone out. Otherwise her shutters would not be open, do you see?' "'By all that is blue, that is true enough.' remarked Patou. "'Heavens! I hope nothing unfortunate has happened to my poor aunt.' 
i should not wonder said mother fagot it is more than possible it is probable said Faroulet sententiously to tell the truth she was not over tender to me went on patou but i do not want harm to befall her for all that how are we going to find out the state of things that is not a puzzle suggested a third neighbor joining in send for rigolo the locksmith if it is to open the door he is not wanted said patou i know a little trick of prying the bolt with a knife well go ahead my lad said Faroulet. we are all witnesses that you pick the lock with the best intentions and your pocket-knife patou had taken out his knife and in the presence of a dozen persons attracted by the occurrence he slipped back the bolt with a dexterity proving that he had used this means of opening the way more than once in his youth the door was open but the interior was plunged into complete darkness as the daylight gradually penetrated and was diffused they could descry the form of the old girl on her bed patou called her by name twice but she remained motionless and without response he went in and up to the couch hello he exclaimed touching the hands she is cold and stark they opened the windows aunt angelique was dead what a misfortune said patou tush said Faroulet. a hard winter is coming and wood never so dear she saves by departing where the firing is plentiful besides your aunt did not dote on you maybe so said patou with tears as big as walnuts but i liked her pretty well oh my poor auntie said the big baby falling on his knees by the bed i say captain patou said mademoiselle fagot if you want anything just let us know if we ain't good neighbors we ain't good for anything thank you mother is that boy of yours handy yes hey fagotin called the good woman a boy of fourteen stood frightened at the door here i am mother he said just bid him trot over to Heramont to tell catherine not to be uneasy about me as i have found my aunt gelique dead poor aunt he wiped away fresh tears that is what is keeping me here you hear that fagotin then off you go go through soissons street said the wise Faroulet, and notify citizen reynal that there is a case of sudden death to record at old miss patou's the boy darted off on his double errand the crowd had kept increasing till there were a hundred before the door each had his own opinion on the cause of the decease and all whispered among themselves if patou is no fool he will find some hoard smuggled away in an old sock or in a crock or in a hole in the chimney 
Dr. Reynal arrived in the midst of this, preceded by the head tax-gatherer. The doctor went up to the bed, examined the corpse, and declared to the amaze of the lookers-on that the death was due to cold and starvation. This redoubled Pitou's tears. "'Oh, poor aunt!' he wailed. "'And I thought she was so rich!' I am a villain for having left her to poverty. Oh, had I only known this, it cannot be, Dr. Reynal. Look into the hutch and see if there is any bread. In the wood-box and see if there is any firewood. I have always foretold that the old miser would end up in this way. Searching, they found not a crumb or a splinter. Oh! "'Why did she not tell me this?' mourned Petou. "'I would have chopped up some wood for her, "'and done some poaching to fill the larder. "'It is your fault, too,' the poor fellow added, accusing the crowd. "'You ought to have told me that she was in want.' "'We did not tell you that she was in want,' returned Wiseacre Farrelay. "'for the plain reason that everybody believed that she was rolling in riches.' Dr. Reynal had thrown the sheet over the cold face and proceeded toward the door when Petou intercepted him. "'Are you going, doctor?' "'Why, what more do you expect me to do here?' "'Then she is undoubtedly dead. "'Dear me, to die—' of cold and hunger too reynal beckoned him boy i am of the opinion that you should none the less seek high and low he said but doctor after your saying she died of want misers have been known to die the same way lying on their treasures hush he said laying a finger on his lips and going outdoors. End of chapter 30. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.